This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the channel. Hope you're all keeping safe and well. I've got a very special guest today, Dan Kilpatrick, the Chief Football Correspondent at the Evening Standard, talking Tottenham today. Dan, how are you? I'm very well, Chris. How are you? I've got to say that's very a good. really professional intro. I'm impressed. Thank you very much. Well, Dan, firstly, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, I really want to know what it's like working for the Evening Standard, covering Tottenham Hotspur in England, because covering Spurs, there never, ever seems to be a dull moment, is there? No, that that doesn't. Um, and it can be really hectic, but I think obviously it's a great job. Uh, I absolutely can't complain. Um, it's, a, it's a dream job for me, honestly. Um, so yeah, it's great. I mean, I suppose that there are some times where you feel like everything's in order and everything's quite quiet. And then obviously you'll just be completely upended by a bit of news or you know, a performance out of nowhere or, you know, something will happen. But I think that's, um, that goes to the territory. That's part of the job, really. And I think every journalist would say the same thing, really. You're, you're kind of at the mercy of events. But it does seem at Spurs, you know, particularly um, over the last kind of two and a half years, that it has they have kind of lurched from from one crisis to another, I suppose. So, you know, that obviously does, does impact um, on my job quite a lot. Dan, whilst you've been working with ESPN and now, of course, the Evening Standard, you've covered the days under Pochettino, Jose Mourinho, Mason, Nuno Espirito Santo, and now, of course, Antonio Conte. Um, any favourite moments for you personally and, and any any moments where you've just felt completely fed up? Oh, I mean, obviously, it's boring to even say it, but Amsterdam was a particularly great moment. I mean... Yeah, uh, I, I can't really remember the 
the third goal going in and, and the reaction, it was all just a bit of a blur. Um, I kind of, I've said it before, but I dread to think what my kind of piece uh, on the whistle was was like that night. I'll, I'll never go and look at it because it was probably just rambling nonsense. Um, but that was obviously a great moment and, you know, the atmosphere around the stadium afterwards, you know, just being in the mix zone and, and seeing the players come through and um, the, the whole the whole occasion was, was, was just really special. Um, and that's true of the whole Champions League run, really, um, that there were some really great nights. And I think that particularly stands out in my head and, and always will. In terms of moments, I've been really fed up. Um, I mean, I try not to, you know, I'm, I, although I grew up as a Spurs fan, um, Spurs and Oxford United, I, I you know, I, I try to kind of be professional and I don't sort of let results, um, you know, get me down or, or get me too kind of up. So, um, I wouldn't say there's any times where I felt like really miserable um, about, about you know something that's happened with Spurs. It's more I'll take a kind of professional interest in it. Um, but I think that you know there have been there have been times in the last few years. I mean, I think under Jose. I mean, I've I've written about Jose today, and I've you know I've upset all his fans again, and I'm I am really sorry. It's not my intention. I, I find him quite an interesting character to write about. But you know, under Jose, it did feel a bit like Groundhog Day a lot of the time, and. You know, I, I was running out of things to say about um, the team, really, because I felt like it, it was the, the same issues almost every week. And, and that was a bit trying. It was just a bit, it was just hard to kind of be excited about the matches. Although I would say that, that Jose um, was always great in press commenters. So you always had them to kind of look forward to. But I think that was quite a difficult period for, for everyone associated with the club, really, whether that was sort of fans or, or people on the inside or, or people like me who were kind of reporting on it. Who's been your favourite manager to uh, pose questions to at press conferences, Dan? Uh, I mean, I have to say Poch. I mean, I, I'm a huge Poch stan. Um, you know, Everyone says Poch. I try and be professional, but I mean, Poch was obviously great. And, you know, he, he remains, I think, the greatest modern manager of, of the club, right? Um, so it was a, a real privilege to have been able to cover the club when, when he was there and, and put questions to him. Um he could be kind of quite grumpy. I think he, he had a lot of mood swings, but, you know, he was an anecdotalist. He liked to tell stories and he did like to talk. And I think particularly after his first year at the club, he became quite an authoritative figure, I would say. He had a lot of gravitas, you know. He became someone you, you wanted to to really hear the views of. Um, and that was great. Look, Jose was fantastic, as I just said. He is the master of press conferences, of media manipulation, of getting his message across. It was great to cover Jose. It was a great experience. Conte, also good in his own way. Obviously, very, very honest. Um, you know, can be quite repetitive in, in in what he says. You know, there's a lot of stuff about, you know, needing to work and improve and and whatnot. But, you know, he he's obviously um, come in and, and really delivered a lot of home truths about the club and, and to the club. Um, and that's been quite refreshing as well. Um, I won't say too much about Nuno, because I think, as, as you probably already know, um, he wasn't the best uh, talker. He didn't really believe in press commenters, I don't think, as a format. And he, he wasn't particularly great with us, to be honest. Dan, do you think we will see Pochettino arrive back at Spurs one day? Yeah, I mean, it's it was the kind of big question not very long ago, just 
in the summer, really, you know, w- w- would Spurs be able to get him back? And, you know, I think they certainly had a go. Um, I remember doing a piece, I can't remember when it was now, it was about Levy, it was last season, it was about his 20 years at Spurs, and, and I spoke to Jesus Perez for it. Um, and Perez said kind of unprompted, you know, we'll be back at Spurs one day, that there's no doubt about that. So, you know, there certainly was a belief um, from Poch and Perez that they had unfinished business at Spurs and, and they would come back. Um, it, it's just really difficult to say, you know, you can't predict the future. I, I suppose what I would say is um, at the moment with Paratici in place, I think it is maybe less likely because I think Poch's strength was his kind of relationship with Levy. And he, he you know, that was a really strong relationship and, and they work well probably better than any um, manager Levy's had before and since. Um, at the moment, Levy's not really running the football club side of the club. Pratici is. Poch wasn't a manager that that kind of uh, wanted to work with the director of football. I think that was pretty well known. So, you know, if Conte left tomorrow and Poch left PSG at the same time, I, I'm not sure now he would necessarily be a good fit for the club. But who knows in future? I mean, he's obviously... Um, beloved and definitely has unfinished business you know I'm sure it would be great if he came back having won some trophies and you know could help Spurs win some trophies. Dan let's talk about um, this season so far of course Nuno Espirito Santo was appointed in the summer it didn't work out a couple of months later he was sacked Antonio Conte has come in what have you made of Tottenham's season so far Um, because what I'm worried, a little bit worried about, in the last couple of days, Antonio Conte has used the word impossible, talking about finishing in the top four. He's uh, said to the fans to be patient. Of course, the fans don't want to be patient. We, we, we all want it all now. Um, what have you made of the season and, and, and what do you think that Spurs can achieve at the end of this season? Well, the season, obviously, is in two distinct parts, right? I mean, there's the Nuno bit and then... There's, there's the Conte bit and I think the feeling about both and, and during both was and is kind of wildly different because I think under Nuno um, always seemed like a strange appointment um, and after that initial kind of run of games in September I think it you know it, it got pretty bleak very very quickly um, and I think it was very hard to see that working long term and it was very hard to kind of feel optimistic about where Spurs were going. Um, That dramatically changed overnight when I think Conte came in Um, and suddenly, you know, you felt like Spurs were were back on the right path and they had um, a world-class coach and, you know, someone who could, you know, lead them back to the top Um, and, get the best out of the squad, which I think you, you never felt was, was the case under Nuno. Um, I think this week's been a really, really difficult week. You know, a lot of that optimism has understandably kind of evaporated, uh, you know, just in the course of, of two home games. And I think, you know, we are, we are really seeing now how big a job this is. I think any kind of hopes that we might have had in November, December, even the start of January, that, that, New, that Conte was such a good coach that he'd be able to kind of improve the, you know, lift the club massively without a major, major rebuild. I think those hopes have, have kind of gone now. And I think everyone acknowledges that, you know, this is, as Conte has, has admittedly said many, many times, I think everyone acknowledges that this is a really long road uh, back to the top. Um, 
But I think, you know, this week hasn't changed a huge amount, I think, or it shouldn't have. I think we always knew the squad needed a lot of work. We always knew Conte was world-class. We always knew uh, it would take more than one transfer window. Um, So, you know, while I think getting the top four would would massively accelerate what he's trying to do, um, or even getting the top six, I I think, you know, in a way, not that this season's a write-off, but, you know, I'd be more interested in seeing where Spurs are, you know, the end of next summer and the start of of next season, because I I think we all knew it was going to be a a really kind of long road. Um, Yeah. I think a lot of Spurs fans are just a little bit worried, Dan, that the fact that if we don't finish in that Champions League spot, Antonio Conte may walk away uh, in the summer. You know, a lot of pundits have come out and said it. A lot of uh, ex-players have come out and said it. Do you get that feeling? You know, because what... What makes Antonio Conte stay in the job uh, at the summer? Because for me, we finished seventh in the, uh, you know, we we got that Europa Conference League place. Um, For me, anything better than that would be a step up. But will Antonio Conte be happy with, say, a Europa League spot? I mean, the answer is no, obviously, over the long term. He, He wouldn't be happy with that at all. And I think it was quite telling after the Wolves game when, when Conte was asked about top four and said, you know, I'm used to challenging for for different things. You know, he is someone who's who's used to winning and challenging at the top. And he, he's definitely not going to be content, um, you know, even just to, to challenge around fourth place. You know, he's, he's going to want more of that over the long term. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a, certainly a case that the job was bigger than Conte realised. Um, you only have to look at some of his comments. He said things like, when you're outside the club, you can have a view, but you only understand the real situation when you come into the club. You know, he said that a few times, which I think suggests he wasn't aware that the level was was quite so low. The level of the squad was quite so low when he was you know, looking from the outside in. Um, but I think he would have known this would be a, a long you know, a long rebuild. And he, he said that from the start. Um, so even if it's slightly bigger than than he would have thought, you know, I think he, he must have been aware that he wasn't going to you know win the title this season. Um, you know, he must have been aware that, that there were limitations on what he could do until he got players in. So, yeah, I, I do get the concern um, from fans. I do think the top four would, would kind of massively accelerate the project. Um but, you know, I think for the time being, um, he signed an 18-month contract. So, um, you know, there's, there's nothing that, that, that suggests he's about to kind of walk away from the club. Is there something to suggest, though, Dan, that he will be signing an extended contract? Well, no, not yet. I mean, there hasn't been any suggestion of that as far as I'm aware. And, you know, Conte's been sort of quite clear that it was a decision between him and the club to to agree the length of contract they did. But, and, and look, I don't think that's that's usually unusual now. I think, you know, post-pandemic, um, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense for for clubs to tie managers to long-term deals. You know, it's 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 potentially really expensive. It's a new financial climate. Chelsea did the same thing with, with Tuchel. I think you'll see lots of clubs doing the same thing. I don't think you'll see, you know, the, the days when... Pardew gets a seven-year deal or, or, or whatever, or, you know, or five, you know, even Poch getting all those five-year contracts. I think those days are, are kind of gone for now. So I don't think it's especially alarming that, that Conte signed an 18-month deal. Obviously, the, I get that there's 
a kind of discrepancy between the length of his deal and what he's saying about how long the project will take. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to cross that road, that bridge when we come to it, rather. Dan, we've heard that term many times, painful rebuild. How painful do you think this rebuild is going to be? And realistically, uh, you know, from your point of view, being a journalist with the Evening Standard, where do you think that Spurs will finish at the end of this season with the squad that we've got? Well, I think the rebuild is going to be painful. You know, I, I was definitely one of those people that thought um, the players were were kind of being not properly coached by Jose and, and Nuno. And I thought just getting Conte in would would be a, a kind of, would, would see a massive uplift. And, and I think we'd see a lot of players kind of transform pretty quickly. And, you know, again, I, I think, you know, almost in the last week or so, you, you, you know, it's just becoming increasingly clear that there are just players who either aren't kind of technically at the right level or, or maybe aren't physically at the right level. Um, you know, Conte can can really coach people and, and improve their fitness and tell them what to do and, and improve their mentality. But, you know, if they're not great athletes or, or they're just not great technical footballers, then, then there's always going to be a kind of ceiling um, to, you know, what he can do with them. And I think you know, it's been pretty telling that, Benton has, has come in and um, uh, Romero's come back and that they both looked kind of a, a class above, you know, a lot of their teammates. They, they're just good footballers. And I think, you know, we Spurs need a, a few more of them. So I, I do think there's this kind of major surgery needed. And, you know, you look at that team that, that played against Wolves and all the team that played against Saints and, you know, immediately you think you know, four or five of them you know, could easily not be at the club next season or, you know, certainly um, could be, you know, upgraded on quite comfortably. So I think there is a lot of work to do. Um, in terms of where I think they'll finish, I, I still think top four is you know, well within Spurs' grasp. It, it's been an awful week and, you know, it could get worse with, with City on Saturday. I think, you know, everyone kind of accepts that that's very possible, if not likely. Um, but then, you know, after that, I think, um, you know, when Dyer and Skip are back and they're clearly important players um, with with just kind of one game a week for most of the season and a few games in hand and such a good coach and Conte, you know, there's there's no reason that Spurs can't be, you know, the most kind of consistent team over the course of the rest of the season because I don't see a huge amount of consistency from United and Arsenal, uh, United and West Ham, sorry. And I, I'm not, still not convinced about Arsenal either. So I think... Yeah, realistically, if I had to put money on it, I might say fifth or sixth at the moment. But I think fourth is, is certainly still there for the taking. Dan, what players do you think has uh, have really improved under Antonio Conte since his arrival? I think Skip's really improved. You know, he's been injured, which has been frustrating. But I think you saw, you know, just a glimpse um, in a few performances uh, before Christmas of, of just how kind of good... Um, he can be, and I think he, he'll keep getting better and better. I think we've obviously seen an uplift in Kane. You know, he was just really not at the races when Nuno was in charge. Um, who else? I mean, obviously, Davis has been important. Um, I mean, I, I guess I guess what's almost interesting is, is the more interesting is the players that kind of haven't you know, had, a, had a real uplift. And, and that goes back to what I was talking about, about maybe the need to upgrade. But I think... You know, most of the most of the squad um, are in a better place now than they were um, under Nuno. I think that's probably fair to say. 
Dan, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the January transfer window. Just, uh, I'd be really interested to get your thoughts um, on what you made of it. Of course, players going out, notably on Don Bele, Lo Celso, uh, Brian Hill, Deli Ali going out to Everton, and then of course two new players coming in, uh, Kuliszewski and Benton Kerr. Um, a good transfer window for you? Um, I think the jury's still out on the transfer window. I was broadly kind of positive about it at the time. I was sort of inclined to be positive. Um, so I think that's generally preferable to to kind of erring on the negative side. Um, I think Spurs' big problem over the last however many years, you know, five, six, seven years, has been offloading players. You know, that's that's probably the, the biggest thing that kind of hampered the rebuild as much as anything, you know, not being willing or able to to get rid of unwanted players or or even not being prepared to to kind of sell players um you know when perhaps they were they were still kind of valuable to the team or or even at their peak so i think there was something to be said for just kind of clearing the decks and 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 getting rid of you know four or five players that that conte obviously didn't see as part of his his immediate or long term plans um having said that there's a danger, you know, as we know, that kind of three of those players, Hill and Dombele and Vasilso, could all be back in the summer because they're only loans, um, which seems to me a bit puzzling. You know, you, you you get you let kind of four people go and you're only getting money for, for one of them in, in Delhi. Um, and clearly the kind of options in, in the squad, particularly in midfield, are, are, are thinner now than, than they were. Um, so I think the jury's out. I mean, what we can't know is how beneficial Conte thinks not having those players in the dressing room will be. If, if he thinks they'll, you know, that will really make a positive difference in the dressing room, then it's worth it just to send them on loan. Um, if you know that wasn't really much of a factor, then I, and he just didn't fancy them as footballers, then, then I do kind of wonder about this. Uh, you know, this get them get rid of them at all costs approach. Um and then yeah, in terms of the new signings, jury's still out. I think they both looked particularly Bentoncourt obviously both looked um pretty decent so far. And I think Kulisevsky's obviously a bit more of a you know, promising guy for the future. But he um it looks like he can play in quite a few positions, which I think is helpful. And and Bentica looks like he's gonna add a kind of touch of quality and class to midfield the midfield, which probably has been missing since Dembele, really. Dan, we talk about um, Tottenham not spending too much money in the transfer window. You know, a lot of Spurs fans will say that. But when you look at Ondombele, Lo Celso and Brian Hill, there is like 120, 130 million pounds of players there. Um, do you think that we will see them again in a Spurs shirt? I think, well, I think that's the danger in a sense. Um I mean, I don't know about Hill. Um, the, the kind of noises coming out of the club were that he was still a player with a long-term future. But I think Conte has been pretty clear since that, you know, certainly at the moment he's not ready for the Premier League or Conte doesn't think he's suitable for the Premier League. Um, so he might come back, you know, in a year or, or two years. Um, in terms of Ndombele and Celso, I think, you know, it's, it's obvious that Conte just doesn't think that they're right for his project. Um, but then, yeah, the, the danger, as I said, is that they come back and then he's got to kind of do what, what Mourinho did with Ndombele and what Nuno did with Ndombele, which was kind of try and freeze him out. But then eventually 
reluctantly um, kind of um, yeah, bring him back into the fold. Um, and I think that's, you know, that would be a scenario. You know, if Spurs missed out on the top four by a few points and they'd had a few worries in midfield and then suddenly Ndombele and Lacelso were back at the club in the summer, that would be a scenario when you're thinking, hold on, that went badly wrong in January because, you know, those guys, you know, as, as frustrating as they were, might have been worth you know, a couple of points <clears throat> over the second half of the season. So I don't know if we'll see them. You know, I think everyone wants those deals to become permanent, right? I think even most Spurs fans um, want those deals to become permanent, but we just don't know whether the, the two clubs are going to take up those options yet. So much promise, though, Dan, for on Don Bele. In your opinion, what, what went wrong with him? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, I was a huge fan of Ndombele. I think it I think it comes down to him. I mean, I, I think Mourinho, you know, had it spot on. If you if you go back and look at some of Mourinho's comments about him, you know, he he consistently said he could be, you know, one of the best midfielders in the world, but you know, it's 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 down to him. And, you know, I I think there's definitely two sides to it. There's there's a case that um, he perhaps wasn't particularly well managed at Spurs. Um, he he was a bit of enig- an enigma. He was a bit of a maverick. He was a you know very different type of introverted character. And and perhaps his managers didn't manage to get the best out of him, and, and should have tried other things to get the best out of him. But I think the bottom line is, you know, to to be to be a Premier League footballer in that environment, you know, you you you've got to have a certain kind of standard of professionalism I guess and I think not one or two or three or four but I think five coaches all you know felt that was somewhat lacking in him um I think what I would say and and no one agrees with me on this but I I kind of think that 2019 transfer window that everyone you know bangs on about you know wasn't that bad really I mean you have to remember that it was a transfer window for Pochettino. And I think Pochettino is a very different kind of coach to who the man who succeeded him, you know, Jose. And, and he would have put an arm around the shoulder of Ndombele. He would have, um, you know, he would have, his football did suit Ndombele. Um, you know, he would have put him in the Dembele role eventually, I think. So it it would have been intriguing to see, um, you know, how Ndombele would have worked out, you know, had, had Poch stayed in the job and had things been a bit different. But, you know, I think the, the first person to blame, um, and, and Nuno actually said this as well, that the kind of first person to, to blame for it was, was Ndombele himself, I think, sadly. Yeah, I, I know what you mean about that window. 518 days 
uh, before we signed a player. And of course, Jack Clark was that player. Um, Dan, let's come back to uh, talking about Antonio Conte, because a lot of us fans are, are quite surprised on how open and honest Antonio Conte is in press conferences. Are, are you as a journalist? Am I surprised about how honest he's been? Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe a little. I think, you know, I, I haven't followed Conte in Italy really that closely or, or even when he was at Chelsea. You know, I was obviously covering Pochettino's Spurs at the time um, and I didn't really have a, a wider remit than that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it has been a little bit surprising. I mean, it, I think it, well, what's interesting for me is that initially... Spurs fans seem to really embrace it and, and find it really refreshing. And now it seems to me like it's just from reading Twitter anyway, that the people are starting to get fed up with it and actually wish he was a bit more, a bit more positive, which I, which I find a really interesting dynamic. It's like Spurs fans have said, right, we've had enough of being told the truth. Now we actually, can we just go back to you saying nice things? Um, but yeah, do you, know, do you know what, Dan? I, I felt like that a couple of days ago. So refreshing to hear Antonio Conte talk the way he does. But in the mm. last few days, I must say, I felt very down. You know, particularly when he said what he did about the the top four. You know, fans are expecting too much. We've got to be patient. I don't really like that. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say like you you can't have it both ways, right? If you if you want kind of him to call out the club and you know tell you know. Say, say things about the, the say home truths about the, the previous transfer policy and put a bit of pressure on the board. And I guess you have to also accept that he's going to, you know, be really blunt and realistic when it comes to talking about you know, getting back in the Champions League. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, it hasn't hugely surprised me because I think this is what Conte does. I think his playbook is always, you always demand more. You're never satisfied. You know, you, you, you're always putting pressure on the club. You're always, you know, trying to, gain a few more yards and, and you know, keeping the pressure ramped up. That's just what he does. And I think Spurs fans are going to gonna have to get used to it. Dan, for someone like you who's very close at the club and works there a lot, especially in the press conferences, um, can you give us a little bit of insight of what happened to Steve Hitchin? Of course, left the club a couple of weeks ago. Will he be replaced? And will Fabio Prachi now be working alone? Um, I can't give you any great insight. I mean... What I can say is that I think there was a feeling that that was a bit of an odd relationship. And, you know, once Paratici came in, it obviously felt a lot like Hitchin had been usurped and you did wonder kind of how long that could keep going. I mean, you know, apparently they, they were good friends and, you know, they worked kind of closely together. And, you, you know, the, the early part of the season, especially under Nuno, you'd always kind of see them together on the touchline, you know, heads together together. Um, discussing things so they obviously had a pretty close relationship but but it was also clear that the Hitchin you know, obviously just had a lot less power and a, a lot less influence once Paratici came in um so not a huge surprise I think that he's he's stepped away um and uh and is on gardening leave I think um in terms of whether Paratici will be working alone now yeah I mean I suspect so I don't think Spurs are going to hire a new um, uh, a kind of new technical performance director, I think Hitchin's title yeah. was. And, yeah. and I think if they did replace Hitchin and, and bring someone in in that role, it would be a kind of more watered down. It would be a different role. You know, they wouldn't hire a direct replacement. You know, they might they might hire someone um, who was kind of I don't know to oversee players on loan and you know the transition 
um, between the academy and the first team, something like that. You know, I don't think it would be a, a kind of another chief scout slash technical performance advisor, which was what Hitchens' titles were. What have you made of uh, Fabio's time at Spurs so far, Dan? Well, the jury's still out, obviously. Um, Conte is recruiting Conte is obviously a, a big win. Um, you know, in, in many ways, if that proves to be a success, then, you know, hit, um, Pratici would have you know, just justified his appointment just with, with that with that appointment, really, but by getting his friend, because I don't think that happens. I don't think Conte comes without Paratici. Um But, you know, I think the jury's you know, still still very much out on, on his sort of signings and, and sales. Um, I already talked about the January transfer window, and then I think, you know, obviously... Hill was, was was a player he you know signed and and um, let Lamella go the other way. Royale you know he hasn't really worked out. Um, Gallini hasn't hasn't really impressed yet. Um, and we don't know about the, the January signings yet. You know the jury's still out on them as well. So I think you know he he t- certainly gets a pass so far. I think mainly for for Conte, but um, you know that there are already some some pretty big questions over his signings. So. Um, yeah, I think it's it's fair to kind of be be split on that so far. Dan, just quickly, you mentioned Galini there. Is he expected to go back at the end of this season? I don't know. I haven't heard anything on him at all, to be honest. Um, yeah, sorry. So much speculation about Harry Kane last summer going to Manchester City. Um, do you think he will now be uh, a one-club man and finish his career at Spurs? Yeah, well, that is the... the that's still one of the biggest questions and I suspect, you know, it'll it'll start to become a big question again um, in the next few months, kind of having died down. Um, look, I mean, my expectation when Kane stayed at Spurs in the summer was that that was probably, you know, probably his last chance to, or his last good chance to, to kind of get out, get a move, right? Um and I felt like, you know, on on September the first or whatever, that you know the probability was more towards Kane signing a new contract than than you know eventually leaving Spurs. Um, but I think you know we, we can't know. I think you know, since things, since Conte came in, things have probably been more difficult than we all expected. Um, I think as soon as Conte came in, Kane, you know, effectively got back on side with the club um, and was you know a lot more committed to the project long term but you know you obviously have to wonder you know is is he kind of having fresh doubts given Conte's message and, and given kind of um you know how difficult Conte has found it to turn things around um but look, the, the Spurs are still in the, will still be in a strong position in the summer he'll still have two years on his contract so I still think that you know the probability is towards him not uh, going anywhere but you know I don't think anything's cut and dry yet. Dan let's talk about the summer transfer window because uh, me personally I'm expecting a lot to happen you said earlier on this stream four or five players you know in the current team um, could easily not be playing for Spurs next season realistically how many signings do, do Tottenham need to, to make in the summer to make us a real force for next year? Yeah, well, well, I mean, what I said, I think, was that four or five could, e- you know, could easily be upgraded upon. That doesn't mean that, you know, 
Spurs are going to be able to to upgrade on them, um, which is a, I think an important we have to um, a pretty important to. distinction. I mean, look on yeah. So, what was the question? How many do I think Spurs need, or how many do I think? Yeah, I, I just I just think like th- this summer has got to be a huge summer. You know, w- yeah. when we all talk about backing Antonio Conte, and and also please feel free to to try and give me the definition of what is uh, backing Antonio Conte in the summer. Well, look, I, I think in terms of what Spurs need, yeah, you, you could quite easily, I think, make a case for needing four or five very strong signings. Um, you know, I won't run through the positions. I think people you know, will, will know them if, if, they're, if they've kind of been watching this team. Um, what's the definition of back and Conte? I think doing that, you know, do, you know, doing doing what doing what he wants, you know, trying to give him what he wants, but but within the club's means. Um, you know, he, Conte will know that Spurs are not going to be able to um, to spend like Chelsea or, or Man City. You know, he must know that. But I also think, you know, Spurs, the kind of myth that, that Levy or Spurs you know, refuse to spend any money you know, is, is slightly outdated. There has been an obvious uplift in spending since they moved to the stadium. I mean, you just have to look at the, the figures since the, the stadium move. You know, obviously it's made a difference and that's you know largely been without crowds there. So I'm sure there will be some money to spend. Um, I'm sure, as always, it'll be a case of having to get rid of players at the same time or, or first, which is always, you know, as we mentioned, a, a huge challenge. Um, but yeah, you know, certainly I think the last week and, and well, the two and a half years before that as well has you know, really laid bare the fact that there are at least kind of four or five, you know, maybe six positions in the squad that Spurs, you know, could really, really do with uh, strengthening in. Dan, I was on a stream the other day and the question come up, what, what, what was the last signing you were most excited about? I had to go back to 94, Jürgen Klingsmann. What about you? <laughs> no. um, yeah. That's, that's well, way back. World-class player. Yeah. Um, I mean, personally, as a fan, I remember being really excited about Edgar Davids, um, but that's, uh, you know, that was not when I was doing this job. It was just when I was a kind of Spurs fan. I thought that was a really exciting signing. Um, I mean, look, I think there's, to, to be optimistic, I do think there's there's reason to be excited by Benton Kerr. You know, he, Conte's played down um, the signing a, a little bit and, you know, said he'll need to adapt to the Premier League and, and you know, kind of, Almost characterised them as a, as a sort of young, inexperienced player, along with Kulusevski. But but Benton Kerr's, you know, won three titles, played a lot of games for Juve, played a lot of Champions League games. Um, he's a Uruguay international. He's he's only twenty four, I think, but he's a really, really experienced midfielder um, in European football and, and top level European football as well. And that's just that's the kind of player Spurs Spurs need to be getting. You know, someone. Um, with that kind of pedigree and, and Conte can, you know, Conte will improve him further, I'm sure. So I think there's there's certainly reason for fans to be excited about him and, and you know, he's he's barely up to speed with English football and I think he's already kind of stood out um, yeah. in, in the handful of appearances he's made this week. Dan, the last time we signed a striker on a permanent deal was back in 2017, Fernando Llorente. Of course, mm. we had Carlos Vinicius on loan last season. Surely Conte and Pratchett have got to go out and buy a striker in the summer. Yeah, I think they have. And, and Conte's 
kind of on record saying that he wants a second striker. You know, he said he wanted, um, you know, he felt that you needed to have two players in every position. And, you know, when it came to Kane, um, and the, the question uh, was about Kane when he said that. So, you know, he was clearly thinking of a backup striker. So, yeah, I think Spurs have to. And, you know, it's it's been bizarre, frankly, that, you know, the, the fact that the club's, I think, gone into three of the last seven seasons with Kane as the only centre forward on the books. And you know, partly, I think, that was a consequence of having Son and, and kind of latterly Lucas as well. And, and the feeling that it, they would do just as well as, as anyone you could sign. But, you know, I, I just think in many ways that's, that's just been an unacceptable situation um, and, and not uh, not a kind of one-off either, as I said, three times in seven seasons. Um, it's put too much strain on Kane. Um, it's kind of unbalanced the squad. And, you know, it is really hard to sign a centre-forward um, to play back up to Kane, but I don't think it's it's impossible. Dan, in future transfer windows, in particular the, the summer one, do you think that we will ever go uh, to Premier League teams to try and get Premier League proven players rather than foreign leagues like Serie A? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's always what you want to do, really, get someone who you know is going to be Premier League proven. Um, but it's just in- incredibly difficult because you, you're having to play a premium and clubs don't want to lose their players to direct rivals. So kind of for obvious reasons, it's, it's a lot harder. Um, it was kind of interesting to hear Conti talk about Benton Kerr and Kulisevsky because you know, he was very clear that he thought they were they were players that could immediately kind of play in the Premier League and you know they had a certain I guess physicality and um they they you know that they they could cope with the intensity um and I think the implication was probably that Hill and Ndombele and, and maybe Lo Celso you know weren't suited to the intensity of English football in the same way so I think it won't matter that much if Spurs don't sign players from Premier League rivals, as long as they've done due diligence and, and they're sure that they're players that, that will be able to adapt the Premier League. And I think Conte's obviously suggested that that you know he thinks that hasn't been the case previously. You know, he said he doesn't think, you know, Spurs really did their due diligence on, on Brian Hill, I think, for example. And yeah. if that one change that, that he makes, making sure that everyone who comes in can play Premier League football kind of immediately, then then it won't really matter. Um, it's always a risk, but it won't matter as much that they're not kind of able to plunder, you know, Southampton and and you know, whoever in perhaps the same way that they, they once were. In in terms then, Dan, of uh, players coming in and players going out the door in the summer, what are you expecting? Well, I don't I don't uh, want to want to name names, but I think. Kind of in terms of numbers, yeah. I mean, I, I, really hard to say. I mean, I would certainly expect, uh, and you know, a new centre half at least, at least one. I think that's definitely top of the wish list, along with the right wing back. So, so there's two already. Depending on Ndombele, Lo Celso and, and um, Hill, you know, you'd definitely expect uh, a new central midfielder in there. I think a new striker, as we've said. So we're already on you know four or five. Um, and I think, you know, there's there's questions over backup goalkeeper, you know, is Galini the, the man long term? Um, there's questions over left wing back as well. There's questions in almost every position in the team, I would say. So, you know, I'd certainly expect Spurs to be trying to get trying to get kind of 
five or six. Um, you know, maybe another summer of the Magnificent Seven is not out of the question. Um, but yeah, there's, there's clearly a lot of work to do. And, you know, obviously it can't all be left till the last week. Let's hope so. <laughs> Dan, last question for you. Um, for someone who travels to, uh, you know, home and away to see Tottenham play, you know, 2008 was our last trophy. When are the trophies coming? And do you really uh, realistically think that Antonio Conte will be the next Spurs manager to lift a trophy? Whew. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, good question. Um, I, you know, look, look. There's no doubt that Conte is a winner and everything I think he's saying and doing, you know, whether whether or not that kind of um, hits the right notes every time with, with supporters and the club, everything I think he's saying and doing is, is geared toward building a winning team. That's, that's what he's all about. Um, you know, so I think there's certainly a very, very good chance that, you know, if... And it's a big if, but if you know he gets what he wants, and you know if um, you know he stays at the club, then then he would be the man to kind of end that long drought. Um, I couldn't say when, but you know, I guess you'll you'll be looking at next season, right? You know, when he's got you know, a squad that he feels is more his own, uh, when he's had a preseason, and, you know, when he's got the whole campaign to work with. Um, I don't think Spurs will win the league next season, but you know, I certainly think they could. You know, have a good crack at you know better crack at one of the cup competitions than than they have done in recent years. So yeah, I, I like to be optimistic about um, about Conte being the guy to to kind of end end that end that barren period. Brilliant. Well, Dan, I can't thank you enough for all your time today. Thank you so much, and tell everyone where 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 they can find you and your fantastic work. Yeah, I will do. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much, Dan. I'll okay. speak to you soon. Uh, thanks yeah. for watching, everybody. I'll see you on the next video. Come on, you Spurs. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Football is back, and BetMGM is inviting new customers to join the huddle and enjoy the action like never before. Sign up today using bonus code CHAMPION, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.